Hey everyone, welcome back to the Don't Bowl There podcast, episode four. Got quite a special episode today. Aaron, uh, do you want to tell us what's going on? Yeah, very, very exciting episode here, guys. Our first guest on the Don't Bowl There podcast is television radio host, Gus Warland. So, Gus is a television radio host. Uh, He's also the producer and star of the Aussie Goes series, which includes Aussie Goes Bolly, Aussie Goes Barmy, and Aussie Goes Calypso. And he's also a founder of Men's Health Foundation, Got You For Life. So, Give it a listen. It's a really, really good interview, and I uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Hey, hey guys. Gus. Hey, how you going? Oh, God. Oh, oh, I've got no sound. Oh, sorry. I've got no sound. sound. There we go. I think we should be right now. Oh. Hey, guys. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah gotcha, gotcha. You got us? Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Thanks yeah. Thanks for being on time too, boys. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries, of course. Yeah, Thank you so much for, for coming on and coming to talk to us. Uh, my pleasure. No yeah. problem at all. Happy to talk to you boys. Thanks, really thanks. Appreciate awesome. it. Really yeah. appreciate it. Um, um, yeah, so should we kick things off? So how's uh, how are you going with like the current circumstances that are going on at the moment with uh, COVID-19? Yeah, it's certainly been a bit interesting, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it something that we've never had to deal with before, but um, it started off for me a little bit weird. My wife was actually visiting my um, daughter who was on a gap year over in Japan. Oh, right, so yeah. once all everything started to sort of, you know, rise up and us thinking, well, this is not just a thing, it's actually going to be major, I had to try to get my wife home and then my daughter, rather than coming home, she wanted to sort of continue off into Europe thinking that this might only last a month or so and she'd be in Europe ready for it to open, but um, it didn't work out that way. I got my wife home, she had to have two weeks in quarantine mm, yeah. and then my daughter had to have a couple of weeks uh, in quarantine in England, and then she went and stayed with my wife's sister. And she was there pretty much the only time she went out in the whole month was um, to go out shopping, uh, one day, like, for food shopping, and then eventually we got her back. Yeah. So it was a bit unsettling, you know, just not to have your, have your family around you yeah, once, when this, this sort of stuff that. happens. Mm, but yeah. we're all home now, and, um, you know, it's been... Crippling, really, for a lot of businesses, a lot of charities. My charity, yeah, Got yeah. to Life, has been nailed. We had over 300 small events from, like, you know, barbecues and fake days all the way through to some other pretty big events that we all had to cancel. But, you know, the main thing at the end of the day is that we're all still here. We're doing our best. And, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed a little bit of quality time with my family, which I normally wouldn't do. I'd normally I'd be off travelling and doing stuff. So that's been mm. a real bonus. And, um, I've worked out, boys, that I hate puzzles. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I think we're all finding that out at the I moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> puzzles, buddy, everywhere I look, there's a puzzle, and I find myself looking at it, trying to find a piece to pop in. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but, and board games, I know that I'm just not very good at them, and my <laughs> son is, in particular is a cheat um, at nearly every board game yeah. we play. Um, but other than that, it's been great to have everyone home and we've had this connection that perhaps we haven't had for years because we've all been you know running around and being so busy so it's been yeah. nice just to slow yeah. down a little bit yeah, yeah i guess that is one of the like i guess one of the positives you can take out of this this scenario that you get to spend more time at home and kind of strengthen those relationships with everyone mm. yeah yeah exactly and it's and it's you know it's not anyone's fault we just probably we're a bit too busy we're all a little bit mm. too much on edge it's yeah. given us a chance just to slow down and perhaps realise what the most important things are in life. Um, I know, unfortunately, like most things in life, you need a bit of a trauma or you need something bad to happen for people to slow down and to stop and perhaps 
um, think about what their balance is like in life. Yeah. Um, very rarely does someone actually make a change for a positive if they don't need to, you know, and that need to, unfortunately, has been this coronavirus. And the government have done a pretty good job, um, you know, looking after people. But, you know, believe me, boys, in the work that I'm doing now with Gotcha for Life, you know, we're hearing 50% increases in suicide and there's just a lot of damage about to happen in the next few years just mm. trying to come out of this. So yeah. um, it's going to be a difficult time for everyone. Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of Gotcha for Life, Gus, um, how'd, you, how'd you get it started? What was the inspiration behind, behind Gotcha for Life? And, um, yeah, well, I did a TV show on the ABC called Man Up, and you can still see that if you haven't seen it. It's on ABC iView, yeah. and Stan picked it up last year as well. And that basically challenged masculinity in this country and why we lose so many beautiful blokes every single day. We lose six blokes a day. Um, you're all young blokes. In your age group, between 15 and 44, it's the number one way to die now is suicide amongst your yes. age group. Yeah. So think about that for a moment. You know, yeah. It's a horrific stat. And it's, you know, it, it just makes you shake your head and get you very emotional if you think about that. Um, so I did that show and we... We've had just ticked over 71 million views around the world. We gave it away. Well, to why well received. And at the time, I was on Triple M doing Brecky with MG and Maddie and mm. on the grill team. And we had all these blokes every day listening to us. And I thought, well, let's keep the conversation going. So mm. um, at the end of Man Up, I started Gotcha for Life. And that's been about three, we're in our fourth year now. And mm. um, it all started off the back of me losing a friend of mine who... Oh, no, there's someone in your life, boys, if you can think about is who's, you know, that one person that you could rely on, that one person, whether it's your dad or your brother or a coach, just someone that you just absolutely love and respect. And, you know, that was this bloke for me. And I just couldn't believe that he had taken his own life. I had no idea that he was struggling with anything. He left three beautiful kids and a wife. He took his life on the day that his son finished his HSC exam. It was like he had a circle in the diary saying, this is the day I've just got to get to, get my kids educated, and I'm checking out. And it was just, it absolutely knocked me for six. So yeah. that started the ball rolling. I started talking about that on Triple M, and then we did the TV show. And then, you know, since then, I suppose, um, you know, it's taken over my life. Um, it's what I hope to be a legacy that I can leave, which is trying to get those suicide numbers down from eight a day to zero a day. And, just letting blokes like you know it's okay not to be okay. It's all right to bumble through life. You don't need to have all the answers. Um, take a bit of pressure off yourself, you know, because mm. you blokes put a lot of pressure on yourself. And then, of course, there's family and friends and girlfriends and other people putting pressure on you. I just don't want you guys to feel that you can't just have someone you can talk to and say, look, I'm struggling and I need your help. That's what we should be teaching young blokes in particular. Mm. So that's yeah. where the... That's where it all started, and you know, it's now turned into something which is quite substantial, and I'm very proud of it. Mm. Yeah. Do you think there is a stigma behind behind men talking about mental health, and and uh, they think, oh, yeah. I might I might be I'm too tough to talk about that, like it'll make me yeah. look less stereotypical, less masculine. Stereotypical but... Aussie bloke. Mm. Stereotypical Aussie bloke is told to you know man up and shut up, you know, mm. just get on with it. Don't be the whinger. Don't be that guy that walks into a group of mates and and, and is a is a, is a downer. You know, you want to be the up and about and you want to be the clown and you want to have a few beers and, mm. you know, that absolutely is fine. I reckon the typical Aussie bloke's about 85% right. You know, we love having a laugh. We love our sport. We're hardworking. We've got um, resilience, you know, and I think we're good company. 
Um, if you travel overseas with your accent, people just love you straight away, which is just <laughs> sure. good fun so, yeah. being an Aussie bloke. But it doesn't mean that we've got it absolutely right. And sort of the set of rules that basically we're living by were set so long ago. You know what I mean? So yeah. why don't we just look at those rules now and go, you know what, we can tinker with them a little bit. And one of those is rather than burying all your emotions, um, find someone in your life. And you three boys there, you're all mates, right? Yeah, yeah. There'd be a group of mates that you would have also. There might be 10 of you, let's say, and as you're young, you tend to have a bigger group of mates. You don't have to tell all 10 friends everything that's going on in your life and be totally vulnerable, open and honest with everyone. Just find one of those blokes in that group of friends that you can be totally open, honest and vulnerable with. And that way, you're not worrying alone. That way, someone else is sharing some of the crap that's going on in your life and you're not having to bury every single emotion, every worry, whether it's work, career, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, work, sport, whatever it might be, you've got to be able to share how you truly feel with someone rather than just bullshitting our way through stuff by putting on the mask every day and going, right, I'm going to suck it up and just get through this and fake it until I make it. Mm -hmm. You know, we can do that to a certain degree, but at some point you've got to have someone you can talk to and uh, there's a huge stigma attached to being an Aussie bloke and being a man and we've got to stop it because these stats, like I said off the top, six a day, every day, the number one way to die in your age group. We're not doing everything right, are we? They're the stats. So we've got to look at it and go, right, what can we do differently? And and I think building your emotional muscle so you're mentally fit um, is probably the most important thing we can tell blokes like you. Mm, Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so... Like following on from that, like how would you say would be like some of the best ways to kind of manage stress and your mental health? Like particularly during this time, it's a tough period. Like how would you say would be some good yeah. ways to, to manage that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Great question. And for me, I like to talk about mental fitness rather than mental health because mental health tends to have a bit of a negative connotation. Yeah. As soon as you say mental health, people start mm. thinking you're going nuts in the head or you know, you're someone that's not coping very well and stuff. So... Mm. You know, you boys all look pretty fit. But so anyone listening to this, get a pen and paper out and say, right, what's my mark out of 10 for my my physical fitness? And what's my mark out of 10 for my mental fitness? And if they're not 8, 9 or 10 out of 10, then you've probably got something to work on. Mm. So if you're physically unfit, what do you do? It's pretty simple. You know, you start eating cleaner, you're, you're drinking less grog, you're moving more. So that's sort of out there. The exercise is required to go to a gym and, go for a walk and stuff, you know what to do to lose some weight. But what are the exercises around building your mental fitness? So this is the stuff that I'm talking about. Um, Sorry, I just had a phone (laughs) call come through. Um, I mean, for me, boys, it's building on mental fitness. So what does that mean? It means learning how to be mentally fitter. And for me, it's by being totally vulnerable. So you've got to be vulnerable with with at least some person in your life so they know exactly what's going on, the stuff that you're ashamed of, the stuff that you're worried about, the stuff that you're overly happy about, just everything that's going on that's really true um, in your life and it means a lot. That's the type of stuff that you've got to tell at least one person. And then if you then go into your group of friends and you're having a few beers and stuff, then you can bullshit a little bit. You can sugarcoat stuff. You can get through it however you want to get through it. But some person, and it might be that someone in that group's going, I know he's bullshitting now, but I've got his back because, you know, I know the truth. And you can share stuff with each other. When people get in trouble, and it's not just your age, it's my age too, I'm 51 now, um, it's when people worry alone. 
if you're mm. worrying alone and you've got all these thoughts and stuff going around your head, you are going to fuck it up for sure. At some stage, you are not going to be able to manage things properly. You might be able to manage certain things and you bury a certain amount of emotions, but I've been looking after Steve Smith in his 100 hours of community service right after all the South African mm. debacle. Yeah. And Steve had a great community around him to be able to talk about it. You know, those, he had to go back and finish that test match. Mm, Everyone yeah. forgets about that after yeah. that press um, after that uh, presser. He then had a couple of nights in South Africa, flew back home. He had no idea what was going on. He had his dad, his fiance, who's now his wife, his best mate and his dad. He had those four people that he could talk to about how he truly felt. He wasn't bubbling anything up. And he talks when we go to schools and clubs and stuff. But without those four people to be totally honest with and just to get all his emotions out and have those tears, he doesn't know what would have happened. And he talks about having like a balloon. And every time you blow up a balloon, every time you've got a bit of stress or drama and you're not telling anyone, so you're keeping it within, it's just like another blow. And eventually it's going to book, book, book and burst. Mm -hmm. That may not be suicide, but it might be anxiety and depression or not living your full life. So we've got to learn how to let those emotions out, not bury them down. And I think being open, honest and vulnerable is the way to do it. Um, the thing is that we're never really taught that. Mm. We're not taught how to do that very well. So yeah, that's exactly. what the programs do, the Gotcha for Life support. Yeah. That's what we do to make sure that they get out to every sports club and every school and every community so blokes can start learning how to have um, some conversations that build the emotional muscle that mm. allow you to be mentally fit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. I might just jump in again. With uh, Speaking of Steve Smith again, um, how was it working with him and, and how was it being inside his head, I guess, like straight after Cape Town and, and what happened in South Africa? Um, how was he feeling and how did he cope with it all? I know, I know he said he had his four mates, but like, I'm sure there would have been other things going on and just, yeah, how did he, how did he cope with it? How was it working with him? And yeah, what, what was he feeling during that time? Oh, he's an absolute champion of yeah. a person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, pretty good batsman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for him, it was shattering. Of course, it got, you know, something that he absolutely loved and adored. You know, imagine, you know, it's the best thing in the world. I still think I'm going to be picked for Australia one day to get my baggy green. Um, it's always a chance. You know, that, that, that's the dream, right? Yeah. So it got taken away from him just when he was at the peak of his powers. Like everyone was talking about, you know, Bradman-esque and stuff. So for him, it was him getting his head around that something that he loved and adored wasn't going to be there for him for at least the next 12 months. And, mm. of course, you know, there was more than 12 months perhaps because he didn't know if he was going to be selected and what the, mm. just what the lie of the land was going to be after that 12 months. So, you know, when you're going through trauma like that, you know, you're not thinking clearly. So he thought it might be all over completely. So um, for him to come out with me and do the 100 hours community service and to give his time and to be so open, honest and vulnerable and stuff with schools was unreal. And he mm. noticed it right off the top how important it was for him to tell his story and how many kids were there like sponges taking it all in and you know, teaching people it's okay to make a mistake and as long as you put your hand up and you own it, then you can come out the other side. And, of course, we know what happened straight after the year ban, the ashes, and he had the most magnificent ashes because he yeah. was so mentally tough because he'd been through a really tough um, year where he had sort of, you know, questioned a whole lot of other things that were going on. But like I said, he had his four strong people. He had some sponsors that stuck by him. He had all his teammates that loved him. So he just 
he just basically just got himself into a pretty positive mindset most of the time. But he talks at schools about heaps of times where he'd wake up and just feel so flat and he'd have to build himself up over the day to try to get stronger and stuff. So he still has days like that as well. He's changed a lot of his ways that he does stuff. He used to read everything, every Twitter, every Facebook, every Instagram. Now he doesn't look at any of that stuff. He keeps that all out of his head. He just yeah. worries about the people that he trusts loves and respects um but yeah no there's no doubt in him and, and davy and, and also cam would have gone through absolute heartache you know yeah, and they just absolutely. needed people around them to discuss it with if they had to worry about that stuff alone or try to get through that stuff alone it would have been much much harder and perhaps they they may not have come out of it as well as they have so um great time for him to look back on his life and to get some priorities and stuff going and the fact is that after the ashes he came out and had two days free and he rang me and said gussie let's go two schools brother let's do it <laughs> and i'm like i'm like smithy that is awesome so he went to a couple of schools and uh you know he's been brilliant with me doing some stuff virtually during this um uh during the COVID, mm, and right. um yeah. it's been great just to see how positive and upbeat he is he's keeping his fitness going and you know he is raring to go uh, but yeah, he's come through absolute, you know, highs and lows in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I just have another quick question just before. Sorry to yeah. ask all the questions, but um, <laughs> Nick and I both play for Sutherland, where where Nick um also where sorry Steve also plays, and um, I remember standing behind him in a fielding drill once, and I just remember oh this this guy smells incredible. So I was <laughs> my question is, does he always smell that good, or is it just like just puts it on for the for the lesser Cricketers. For the boys. Yeah, um, yeah. No, he's always on time. Yeah. He's always yeah. actually early. Yeah. He's always, looking, always looking smith, hair he perfect, does. and he smells does. a million bucks. Yeah, yeah. sure. All right, yeah, because um, I remember four, uh, what, two years ago now, we uh, our first grade team was lucky enough to go down to Adelaide for the national championships, and we got Steve Smith to coach the team. And... Um, I was fortunate enough to go down as part of the squad. Uh, didn't actually play a game, but that meant I got to sit on the sidelines and get to listen to him, you know, be him and do all his things, which is absolutely awesome. But yeah, he was always on time. Mm. Like, had to have a coffee in his hand or like a, a ball or something. <laughs> couldn't couldn't <laughs> sit there without something in his hands. Uh, oh, it, was just, it was just an awesome experience to be able to like see how his brain works and how he goes about like looking at the game. You know, sitting on the sideline with it, like it's different looking, watching him when he's on the field, but like on the sideline, he's just so in depth and just sees so many little things that not many others else would see. It's, it was just awesome. <laughs> oh, what an experience for you. And you can tell, you know, in, the, in your voice as you're explaining it, how excited you were and you're taking your mind back there. And, yeah. I mean, they're magic moments. I mean, you know, Bradman and then Smithy, that's it. Mm, and a lot of players it. that have played the game of cricket. So, if we take Adam Voges out of it and only had, you know, a few tests, <laughs> only had, you know, 20-odd innings, yeah. you know, there's not many blokes that are like him. So to have that time with him and to pick his brain and to see how his mind works, and mm. you're right, he sees stuff that no one else sees. And, you know, it, I've found it hanging around cricketers since I did the Aussie Go series, and you know, back nearly 15 years now. Um, how certain players like Mike Hussey is the same, the way that he looks at the game and then someone like Brett Lee who's just got this awesome confidence like to him you know bowling that last over of any limited over game you know mm. whether it's 50 or 20 overs mm. just give it to him. let me win it for you you know yeah. that type of confidence yeah. and 
and that ability to be able to pull it off more often than not. And then if you don't, just go next time, I want the ball again. I want to do it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's different gravy. And I suppose yeah. that's where, you know, why they're, they're who they are and why there's not yeah, many exactly. people with their sort of records. And yeah. um, so to have that time with him, that would be great. You can cherish that forever. And the main thing is that he would have loved just doing that as much as anything. He's just such a lover of the game. And yeah, he is. Um, yeah. we're very lucky to have him back and I think, you know, once eventually when Payne Supin, um, you know, having back leading again, I think you'll find him to be um, a much different leader to the perhaps what we had in South Africa. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, we spoke earlier about how um, a lot of people find themselves juggling life and work and particularly for, for boys of our age group where we have work, uni and just our life. Um, how, if you could talk to, to listeners from that sort of age group, what would be the best advice to juggle work and life balance, uh, similar to how you do it, having working with Triple M, the Cricket Tragic, and then having the focus on your charity got you for life? Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, basically, but, uh, balancing is the toughest thing you can do, and what you tend to do when you're a bit younger is focus a little bit either just on not working, like some blokes, like my son downstairs now, or um, <laughs> or or blokes who just go all out, you know, and that really depends on how, on your upbringing and stuff and how you've been brought up. But for me, you've got to write it down. Like you can't just go out and say, you know what, I'm going to do my best to get this balance because you'll always overdo something, whether it's the drinking and the not working or the, the days off or the sport or just doing nothing, or you'll throw yourself into too much work and, and you end up not playing sport or that sort of stuff. So for me... One thing I've learned is I write down exactly what I want to try to get out of my week or season or year or whatever it might be. So for me, the Cricket Tragic, at the time, Breakfast Radio, when I started Cricket Tragic and Gotcha, you know, there's no way that I could do all those things properly because you've got to be in bed by 8.30 when you're doing Breakfast Radio because the alarm Mm -hmm. goes at 3.30 and you've got to be available to about 11 o'clock. And then Fox will say, look, you know, we're going to go and do this stuff at the Tragic today and that Mm -hmm. might be... You know, a three or four minute piece on TV might take you a full day to actually shoot. So, Mm. you know, there's a lot going into even a half hour program like Tragic. And then, of course, I've got three kids and a wife and gotcha for life. So my best advice is to write down, and I do it normally on a weekly basis, what what I need to get through and what's the most important stuff for me. And, of course, most people go, well, I need to do the stuff that's going to earn me the money. So that goes on first. Well... I would say that's probably not right. What's the most important thing at the end of the day is your family, your loved ones, you blokes, none of you blokes married, I'm assuming. No. So a, girl, a girlfriend or family or people like that or your mates, that's your family at the moment, isn't it? So you go, right, I need to have a certain amount of time with them. I've got a certain amount of time for work and always make sure you've got some time for yourself. Um, most blokes don't ever put any time in for themselves. And that could just be half an hour a day. But half an hour a day where it's just you and your thoughts, writing stuff down, planning is so important. So write it down. If you don't write it down, I bet you you get yourself way out of balance and it takes a couple of months later you go, Jesus, you know, I didn't get around to doing that. I didn't get around to doing this. I'm a bit out of balance here and there. Um, So write it down and make sure that, it is balance because there's no point saying have a work-life balance and then 
it's a great word to say. You've actually got to live it as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Uh, young blokes, young blokes like you, um, you know, it's an awesome time, right? Because you got everything's available to you guys. You can pretty yeah. much do whatever you want. Um, you can have a crack at everything. So that would be the main thing: is use this time now whilst you whilst you can, and when you haven't got any responsibilities, to have a real crack at what you think is important in your life. And if you don't make it, then at least you've had a go. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, um, going back onto the cricket tragic and, and all your other shows, cricket, um, or Aussie goes Calypso, Aussie goes Barmy, or Aussie goes um, Bolly. Uh, we're just wondering. Oh, actually, what do you? Oh, actually, I'm a bit off here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. How, sorry about that mix up. Um, how was your experience filming all of them and, and the people you got to work with, the places you got to go? Uh, what were some of your favourite places, and and uh, how'd you how'd you enjoy it? How yeah, how'd you go filming it all? Oh, look, you know, it was the best. It was just <laughs> unreal. Like, I was thirty eight, uh, selling laptop computers in Tosh- at Toshiba in the UK, and uh, Jacko asked me to go to the Saturday of the first Test match of the two thousand and five series, which is just one of the great Ashes series. And um, Ricky Ponting had bumped into Jacko in the streets of London and said, look, you know, you've got to come and see the boys. The boys would love to see you. Why don't you come Saturday? So Jack rang me. I was up in Lincolnshire and I was beauty. So I bought the train down and we went to the game. And about five o'clock, Ricky Ponting's um, personal assistant rang Jacko's number and said, uh, you know, are you coming in tonight? And Jacko was like, oh, I don't know if I should go now. Like, oh, I see Australian dressing room at Lords. I said, fuck off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent we are going and we're going to go and have a great time. And Jacko's brother and uncle were there too. And they said, no, no, we're not going. So Jacko and I went in and we thought we might hang for about 20 minutes or so. But God, you should have seen the mutual love in, in this dressing room. Like Jacko walked in and they're all like, oh. and he was like, oh. and I was like, oh. everyone was just like, this is so good. So at the time, Stewie McGill was 12th man. Um, so he was running around. He loves a drink. So he was running around getting everyone sure. drinks. Yeah. I yeah. think the Aussies <laughs> needed four more wickets the following Sunday, you know, the last day to win. So the test match was done. The weather was set fair. So it was pretty much nearly the test match done. And I remember just looking at Jacko and he was taking photos with people and then they were taking photos of him. He was taking photos of them. At one stage, I was out on that little balcony you guys would know at Lords there in the um, away dressing room talking to Ricky Bonney, who... Had just come out of the. Sh- they hadn't had a shower yet. He just had his towel around him, and we chatted for about ten minutes. And I said, "Oh, mate, I don't want to hold you up. You know, having a shower." He goes, "No, you're all right, mate." So we spoke for over an hour, and he's just sitting there in his towel. And I'm going, "This is unreal." And then Warney's coming around, and he's flicking everyone with his towel and getting his gear off. And um, Brett Lee was in the ice bath, and as I said, Stu was getting everyone drinks. And Maddie Hayden gave Jacko and I a beautiful big grey nick, one of his big. Thumping Grey Nick back seat. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, anyway, oh. We, we walked out of there two and a half hours later, a little bit tipsy, just playing shots in the street as well, trying to find a taxi to go and find somewhere to eat. And it was just awesome. the best. And Jacko then said after that, wouldn't that be great to show Aussie cricket lovers, you know, something like that? And it just got our minds ticking. And I always said to him, I didn't want to be 40 selling laptop computers. So I wanted to try to do something else. And then... He came to Australia about a year later because we lost that series in 2005 mm. and, you know, coming, the Pommies were coming out here the following summer and he just saw a thing in the paper one year until 
you know, revenge time when the Poms arrived in Australia. And he said, why don't we do a show around that? You know, what about the Barmy Army? Um, and I went, great, let's do it. Um, so we just started an Aussie Goes Barmy and it was just the best. And I left to Sheba thinking, oh, you know, uh, I might have to take the job back here one day, but I wouldn't mind giving this a crack. And that was um, 13 years ago. So we did Barmy, then we did Bolly, which was probably my most fun. Um, certainly felt more fish out of water there than anywhere because India is just such an incredible country, incredibly yeah, yeah. great and incredibly average in certain <laughs> things too. Yeah. Um, and very, really emotional to watch, mm. you know, a lot of people struggling over there and stuff. But we had yeah. such a ball. One of my best days, boys, I woke up at the Taj Mahal with the sunrise and then five hours later drove to Delhi and uh, interviewed Sachin Tendulkar. I mean, you know, oh, <laughs> what a day. Unbelievable. So that was probably my best day of filming. And then another really great day was the last Aussie Goes we did, which was an Aussie Goes Calypso, where Viv Richards picked me up in a yellow sock top and drove me around Antigua, which is very much his island. Mm. <laughs> we, went the, yeah. we went to the Sevilla and Richards ground and sat and chatted about cricket. And he spoke about those great duels with um, Tomo and Lily and all mm. those really tough sides of Australia before Alan Border took over the captaincy when they were dominant, you know, the West Indies. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I had the best time. I've never really worked since because off the back of that, uh, Calypso, I was promoting the show for Foxtel at Triple M and the boss of Triple M listened to my interview in the car between the airport and the and the radio station and offered me the job of um, Breakfast Radio and I did that for 10 years. So mm. I've been absolutely blessed. And the blokes that ran Aussie Goes, like the EP, the executive producer and the junior producer are now the boss of Fox Cricket and EPs for other shows. So we brought the band back together again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been great. To, that's awesome. Just to have a just to have a show ticking along with um, on Fox Cricket's been great to add to you know, it gives me a better balance to be able to have a bit of fun around Gotcha, which is extremely emotional and quite sad at times. Mm. Um, and of course the radio now with Dead Set Legends, I get to have a bit of fun on a Saturday morning. So I've I'm glad, uh, you know, I've just had the best fun. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Oh, you can okay. go, mate. It's yours. Um, yeah. So, on to, on to sort of cricket and, and just sport in general. We know how much you love your sport. Um, if, who are some of your favourite sportsmen that you've worked with over your time, whether it be um, with Triple M or, or the Cricket Tragic? I mean... Oh, the, 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 the best blokes that I worked with for eight years, MG and Matty Johns. I mean, that's a yeah, absolute mm, gift. We're all like brothers yeah. together. And it's hard doing a show for so long when you start your day at 4.30am. Yeah. You know, because you, you see everyone at their absolute worst, right? And we were all pretty busy blokes on top of that as well. So we had things that we were doing during the day and the night. So, you know, we were always tested tide-wise. And, you know, when you're tired, you tend to you can struggle sometimes. So it was unbelievable that we're able to get along so well and be such good mates now and did that for eight years and nearly 2,000 shows together. Um, Brad Haddon, one of the best blokes you ever meet, mm. Brett Lee, um, Skull. I mean, all the blokes on the <laughs> Triple M cricket commentary on radio were just such a pleasure. Greg Blewett, Ian Botham, 
those sort of blokes, um, Ishigua, um, Mark War, just, oh, I mean, for me, I'm like you blokes, right? I'm just yeah, tragic just and I'm in just awe. like, yeah. this is just the coolest thing to do is to be surrounded with these people and yeah. end up being their friends and end up people you having drinks and, and stuff with. It's just awesome. And to sit there and do ball by ball was, I did eight test matches and I'm hoping to do a lot more. That would be something I'd love to do moving forward. Um, fantastic. And one of the, one of the biggest ones, boys, was um, spending some time with Hulk Hogan, who's a <laughs> big awesome. championship wrestler, um, <laughs> who just bolted into our studio one day. And I remember my back was to the, to the studio door and MG's eyes just lit up like saucepans, <laughs> like, and I looked around, it's fucking Hulk Hogan. <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? And he, and he was actually meant to go to Kyle and Jackie O, which were on level 15. The security guy yeah. saw Hulk Hogan and, you know, and he didn't even check. He thought it must have been for the grill team. So we had half an oh, hour with the Hulkster, which was just incredible. That's awesome. my character. And such a huge part of, of me growing up and probably your dad's growing up, mm. you know, in the 80s. Mm. Um and then he stayed with us and then he left. And then Colin Jackio never got to get him on. They were promoting oh, that's that the number one show. And they never got him because we mm. got him for half an hour. And I was an older bloke. So he couldn't go back and do two things of what he had done. So mm, we got him and that was great. Um, but for me, you know, those cricketers that are now mates, uh, yeah. There are, it's it's just unreal, and of course, you know, Smithy's right at the top of that too. The mm-hmm. stuff that we've done and the work that he's doing now, um, yeah, saving lives by being open, honest, and vulnerable—it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, mm, definitely. definitely is. Um, yeah. So with that, like, what is some of your like say earliest and favourite memories? Maybe being like playing sport yourself, or you know that kind of thing. <laughs> I remember, I remember scoring a hundred for Knox against Barker, which I don't know if you like where you blokes go to school, but I went to Newington College, CIS, so. CIS competition in Sydney. You know, yep. two big rivals, the closest two schools to each other, Marunga and yep. Waitara, um, and I was on their number one, which was as big as the SCG, and I got three, got dropped three times in the nineties. <laughs> um, Take your chances. Trying to, trying sure. to hit a six to, to get my hundred because <laughs> Greg Matthews had, had done it a few sort of years earlier. Um, that was huge for me. Um, I sort of worked out where my level was in 1985, where I was in the CAS firsts, and um, James Packer actually opened the batting. He was a Cranbrook boy, and I was batting yeah. three. And he'd get out. He got. I don't think he got a run in the whole cricketing week. And he got out to uh, combine high school, so CHS mm-hmm. for a duck. And I, I got 12 or something and got out. We got bowled out for 80. But that was chasing 300 and something, which was <laughs> Michael Slater, 100 not out, Mark Moore, oh, yeah. out oh, for 100, okay. and then Steve Moore, who batted at three, got 100. It was Jeez. also the one for 300 and something, got 50 overs, which back in the day, 220 off 50 overs was like a massive score. Yeah, you know, that's huge. You would get to, if you got to none or one for 30 off 10, you were on top. You know, now it's, you know, you guys, you folks are flying at five, six and over. Back in the day, 221, you most one day. So that was 300 and something, and knocked us over. <laughs> That's crazy. And I just remember, I had a formal that night. I had a formal that night, and I was in the car park, you know, doing the best I could, you know, putting a bit of Norska on. I didn't have time for a shower. I was late. Oh, I was yeah, thinking about yeah. what I was going to do at the formal and the girl I was going with and all that. They flogged us. 
And then I look down and they're in the nets and the three of them are smashing it, bowling to each other, batting, catching, just so excited after winning this game. And I was sort of like, they're the blokes that are going to play for Australia. They're, they're yeah, not the only talented, passion. but they've just got this dedication, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's good to find out your level early. Um, and I suppose my level was so much lower than theirs. It was never even a carrot for me. I feel sorry for the blokes that are really good cricketers, but they haven't got that little X factor that mm. blokes like Smithy and the Wars and Slater and blokes like that have. You know, it's that. It's just something that you can't really pick, but they're just in the moment, that's when they do it. You know, at the moment that is the most important, they won't fail. Yeah. Um, and they do that more often than not. And, but for me, I just love playing all sports. And as you know, you know, I'm like you folks, I'm assumed, just love everything. Can't wait for the footy tonight. Yeah. Can't wait for the roosters tomorrow night. Can't <laughs> wait to talk to the boys, Dead Set Legends, Saturday. Um, I've got a walking group on Sunday. That The whole discussion for two hours will be just sport and when other sports coming on and the footy. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, tragic with all that stuff. But I was okay at sport, never the best. Um, but loved it. And what I loved most about it was the team. I, like, there was eight blokes yeah. from my under-11 cricket team at Knox Prep came to my wedding in England when I was 26. Oh, wow. So yeah, awesome. this yeah. group of blokes, I just loved them, you know, and I overlove them a little bit too much sometimes. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I always want to make sure everyone feels like they're getting loved. Yeah, what happens <laughs> in the change room stays in the change room. <laughs> <laughs> Who were some of your, your favourite sportsmen when you were growing up? Like, obviously, not just from cricket, oh, look, I'm sure you're watching other sports Alan, as well. Alan Border. Yeah. Alan Border was an absolute legend. You know, he took Australian cricket, which was on its arse, and just by the scruff of his neck, said, get on my back, boys, let, let, me, let me come and do it. So to spend some time with AB and to interview, I interviewed him for the tragic first year, I think it was. And we spoke for an hour and a half at Alan Border Field up there in Brizzy. Only nine minutes actually came on to the show and I'm just like God I'd love to speak to these folks all the time they're just legends so AB John Newcomb who you folks may or may not know is a tennis player was the coach of the Davis Cup he won 20 odd Grand Slams doubles and singles he was like a second father to me lived next door Um, his son's still one of my best mates so Newcomb was very big um, AB. I love a bloke called Bruce Laird who opened the batting for Western Australia and, mm, and opened batting for Australia for a while. Very underrated around that World Series cricket time. Um, and I loved Artie Beetson and loved Freddie Fittler in mm, terms yep. of um, Roosters. And, you know, a massive fan of growing up with the Wallabies and Rugby Australia. So I actually had a... I did a podcast yesterday with John Eels. So oh, you like oh, today, John yeah. Eels yesterday, same yeah. caliber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we like the <laughs> talking, talking to him about, you know, taking fresh, because he was a second rower that used to kick goals as well. Yeah. And there was a test match up against, against the Bledisley Cup match against the Kiwis, and it was right after the Hooter, and they gave a penalty away, and, you know, it was to, to kick it to win it. He looked around to Matty Burke, who was the fullback at the time, and said, he looked around and he said, where's Maddie? And they said, oh, he got subbed off two minutes ago with a cork. And he's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to kick this myself. You know, and he stepped up 35 out, 15, 15 in from touch and just knocked it over to beat the Kiwis. And, you That's know, blokes like that are just legends. And I've yeah. been very lucky in the life that I lead now that I get to spend some time with them. And, uh, yeah, they're all they're champion blokes as much as champion cricketers or sports people in general, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate all the time that you've given us so far, so we won't keep you too much longer. We'll just finish on this question here. 
Um, for us, for us boys here and everybody listening, um, how can we get involved with the Gotcha for Life Foundation in terms of uh, fundraising or donating or even just support? Oh, I appreciate the question, and uh, it's very kind of you. And we need support all the time. I mean, the the best way for blokes like you is to find some sort of challenge that you decide to do. And normally, it's a challenge that's going to test you. So one that you have to probably train for, and that people will go, "Whoa, wow, that's a, that's a good commitment." And then ask people to fundraise. You know, so you guys put it out there on a fundraising page, and we can do that all for you. And you set up a challenge, a sporting challenge or some sort of activity where you blokes commit and people can raise money. And then that money can actually stay in your area if you want. So whatever you raise, we've got program partners that can put programs back into your old school or your sporting club. So the money that you raise can actually stay in your area. It doesn't go into a big pot at Gotcha for Life just to be consumed and gone and you don't know where the money goes. You know, I had a bloke the other day, he raised $1,500. And that $1,500 is going straight back into his sporting club for educational programs for boys at his local AFL club. So, you know, that's the great thing about us is that we're, we're small enough for you to be quite flexible in whatever you want to do and the money can actually go back to your local area. So mm-hmm. um, go to gotchaforlife.org. It's got all the details there or you can contact me on my socials and... You know, we've got some great merch at the moment made by Deus, which you young blokes seem to like, that Deus gear. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Big told, fans. My son told me that's what I had to get, so I went to Deus <laughs> and I said, mate, whatever you need. So we've got great hats and sloppy joes and tees and stuff, which all money all goes straight back to us. Um, so we'd love any support. And, of course, volunteers is another thing. We're always got stuff going on. So if you've got a skill set or five hours a, five hours a, a month or five hours every couple of months that you can spare us and you've got a skill set, then please let us know and then we can ring up and say, hey, we've got an event coming up. Would you mind turning up at the event? We'll give you all your Gotcha for Life gear to wear and you can perhaps sell raffle ticks or you can work on the bar or whatever it might be. We're always looking for people. So anything you can do, boys, would be great. But the easiest thing is to find a challenge um, and you both work together with your group of mates and do some fundraising. Yeah, yeah, awesome. it's a great initiative, and really, really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to, to chat to us about it and uh, inform not only us but also our listeners um, about many, many yeah, listeners <laughs> about uh, mental health and and, <laughs> and how. Well, to, it's, how a, to... it's a it's a pleasure, and I, I admire you, Blake's, and you, you, how many listeners you have. It's you're getting off your ass and having a crack, and there's plenty of people out there that could do it but never do it. So. The fact that you decided to do it and you're having a go is awesome and it's just fantastic to see three young blokes who obviously enjoy each other's company having a go. So anything I could ever do to help and I appreciate any support you can give Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, 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 Gosh, Really appreciate it. Can't, can't tell you enough and we're all very grateful to, to have you on. And, and yeah, yeah thank you so much for your time. Really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate yeah. your insight. No problem, boys. Let me you know if I can give any other help and enjoy the footy tonight. Really enjoy do. the cricket season once it gets back in the into action and uh, talk to you soon definitely yeah, thanks, thanks Gus thanks, thank you see you boys see you later bye hell yeah what a good man that was so what? good he's yeah, a legend fuck that was so he's funny he's a good man I love Gus he's a good man alright 
Jeez, how, how good was that? That was unreal. Um, that was, that what a good awesome. guy. Guy. It was really cool to hear Gus explain his inspiration behind his uh, Men's Health Foundation Got You For Lice, as well as his experience filming Aussie, Aussie Goes Barmy, Aussie Goes Bolly and Aussie Goes Calypso, as well as his time on the Cricket Tragic and Breakfast Radio with Triple M and Dead Set Legends. So he's a really, really cool man. And all the all the stories he had with Steve Smith and, and Hugh Jackman, who he grew up with school and still close friends with today, was, was yeah. awesome. It was very, mm. very funny. Any one of my favourites uh, is hearing about how he, had to, how he had to play against buddy Mark Wall, Michael Slater and um, Steve Waugh in, <laughs> in a junior school game. Imagine rocking awesome. up to a game and seeing those three oh, just, just, in your top three. Yeah. I wouldn't go home, wouldn't you? <laughs> you just wouldn't even bother. <laughs> I think it, was just, it was just unreal to have him on the show. We really appreciate him yeah. spending the time to, to talk to us. Yeah, we'd really like to, to thank Gus again for his time and, and for addressing some important issues. And uh, If you are keen to get involved, uh, head to www.gotchaforlife.org uh, to learn more about it. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Gus and uh, we, we love the continued support uh, for Don't Bowl there. Uh, really, yeah. really appreciate it. Uh, I, I reckon, guys, we, give us. we do, do a little challenge to help support. Yeah, you 100%. Yeah, so we've got to get involved. We'll, we'll definitely. get that sorted. So we're going we're gonna to look at making a Facebook page and, yeah. and try and get that out there as much as we can through all our forms of social media. Yeah, yeah So, sure. um, so really get good. on top of it. And we got some... Uh, Got some other special guest ideas lined up, so yeah, watch this space weeks, and, yeah. and see what happens. Give us your feedback yeah. on how you thought this interview went and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So. Hope, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing it, it so I hope everyone enjoys awesome. it. Yep. Yeah. Um, this has been another episode of Don't Bowl There. Yeah. Yeah. See you next week, guys. Awesome,